It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by PFF's Eric Eager, part of the PFF Forecast podcast, along with his co-host, George. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thanks for making us your first listen, subscribing, following, hitting the thumbs up, doing all those fun things. Eric, you recently did a quarterback tiers list on your podcast and there's been an athletic quarterback draft and all these sorts of things we're at that part of the nfl offseason and cincinnati bengals fans think they have one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl but on your tier list perhaps controversially to the listeners of this program but i understand where you're coming from joe burrow not a tier one quarterback tied with justin herbert at the top of tier two the way i heard you lay out your tiers Could you explain a little bit of your methodology and how Joe Burrow landed where he did in your tier list? Yeah, I think like, you know, one one thing that's really hard for people sometimes is to to not assume that a player is who he was last year or even the last time you saw him. Right. So um, where I look at Justin Herbert and I look at Joe Burrow, I think of guys who have played really well through two years um you know herbert in, in 2020 like was really good under pressure um, not as great in a clean pocket and then last year he was great in a clean pocket and also really good uh, on late down stuff um you know good athlete things like that burrow in, in 2020 is very encouraging uh in the first nine games or so got hurt come comes back um led the league in yards per attempt led the league in completion percentage we you know when when my boss chris collinsworth asked me who should be the quarterback on his all Collinsworth team. I, I I put Joe Burrow. Like I thought, you know, he he certainly deserved that last year, especially when you consider who he beat. Uh, you know, beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice. Uh, you know, obviously the Ravens one time with Lamar Jackson, twice Pittsburgh. Um, you know, so on and so forth. You know, very impressive. But you know, going forward, like we have to remember uh, the sins of the past at times when it comes to being too early on quarterbacks, right? So uh, I brought up on my podcast the example of Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz year two, you know, was a Super Bowl quarterback. He took that 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 Eagles team to I think it was like twelve and two, twelve and one, maybe the first thirteen starts. Like he got them the one seed, and then Nick Foles, you know, after the injury, was able to sort of lean into that, play a couple of really good games, and win the Super Bowl. And you know, there's a lot of characteristics in Burrow and Herbert that were similar in Wentz, uh, you know, big third down variants, big time plays uh, and stuff like that. And all that kind of stuff regressed, uh, you know, later on. And, and so for me, I'll still put those guys, you know, five and six in the NFL in terms of who the quarterbacks are after, you know, Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, and Josh Allen. Um, 
but I'm going to always, I'm going to throttle it back a little bit and say, look, I need to see a little bit more um, in terms of years uh, before I jump and put them in the sort of unquestioned, this is a Hall of Fame kind of quarterback type player. I know we're going to get into the the negative part of it and or the maybe the worst part um, about Burrow's game, but let's let's keep it positive for now. What's the the biggest thing that stands out about him to you? Because obviously everyone here in Cincinnati and a lot of our listeners talk about his intangibles and different things like that. But I'm sure when you're you're watching him, something jumps off uh, that might be a bit unique compared to to some of us that are watching him as well. Well, I think with Burrow, like you just have the guy who is is always rebounding from something, right? So, you know, last season, you know, I got in fan you know, arguments with Bengals fans, you know, you know, when the, they took Jamar Chase over Sewell, and I'm just like, you know, injuries are kind of like part of the shtick, and and it's it's kind of noisy, and you know, if you believe in this team, like my whole thing with with having Chase over Sewell was. You know, you get the higher variance with the wide receiver than you do the tackle. And at some level, like what you want to be able to do when you're buying into a guy like Joe Burrow with the first overall pick a couple of years ago, you're buying into a guy who can overcome, um, you know, some deficiencies. Right. That team was two and 14 two years ago and it made the Super Bowl two years later. Like that is still too short of a time to have a perfect roster. So, um, you know, where they where they sloughed off a little bit was on the offensive line. And, you know, Burrow took sacks as a result. He took the most first down sacks in the league. He took the most sacks in the league. And, you know, ultimately he he rebounded from that kind of stuff and he had the gumption there. Um, there are going to be people who say, look, sacks and pressures are a quarterback stat. And I certainly agree with them. But it's also, you know, part of you know, being able to come back from that. I don't know if it's predictive or not, but when I watch Joe Burrow, I think he's never really out of a game. And to me, I think that that, you know, is characteristic of a lot of the great players that have played in this league before. He has a pressure to sack problem to use a PFF column that I was following throughout the year because in his first two games of the season, when he was not very comfortable with that knee against the the Vikings and the Bears, pressure to sack in both of those games over 40%. Later in the year, never quite got as high besides that crazy Titans game when the Bengals couldn't block stunts and twists to save their life but it mostly calmed down as the season went on and as many clips as there are of him take maybe extending a play into a sack that he shouldn't have when he could have gotten rid of the ball there are also plenty of good highlight tape kind of stuff of him evading should be sacks because as you discussed the Bengals offensive line was porous another pff stat for you the pff guest on our show today is that According to the allowed pressure by responsibility table that I'm looking at, Joe Burrow, very average at 10% of his pressures, you guys charted to the QB with some responsibility, which is, you know, right, right in the middle of the pack, maybe slightly better than average in terms of comparing to the rest of the NFL. How do you evaluate which sacks are... Joe Burrow should avoid this. Joe Burrow should have done something different here from a, from a macro perspective. Are you looking sack by sack when you're talking about he's taking too many sacks? Are you looking at overall data or where is that coming from? Because I know you guys have done a lot of analysis on the sack stuff with Burrow. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times it's in our grades. Um, and, and, but the, the thing is, is it is, it's like you look at the aggregate level, it's like sack, you know, pressure to sack is a quarterback statistic. 
Um, I think when you look at a player like Burrow, you know, he had 17 turnover-worthy plays, 16 uh, interceptions, you know, but down the stretch, he only had two interceptions after week 14. Like, I I think some, you know, players will take sacks in lieu of throwing interceptions. Um, And and sometimes that can be a good thing. Uh, A a throwaway or two probably wouldn't hurt the guy. Um, And, and, you know, he didn't have as, you know, 23 of those. You know, you look at a lot of players are sort of up there more in the 30s, 40s. Rodgers set the record with, I think, a little bit under 60 one year. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be mostly the grades. And we do, uh, you know, we'll, we'll track when a pressure is a quarterback's fault. Um, I think in the case of Burrow, it's a little bit of yes on both ends. It's like the offensive line was terrible. And, you know, they, and you look at early in the Super Bowl, for example, like Aaron Donald, that really didn't have a pressure in the first, you know, 40% of the game or so when they were getting the ball out quickly and things like that. And then they got a little bit too comfortable in the second half of that game. And you saw like, you know, part of me is, is like when you're the quarterback, of a team you sort of you sort of have to take the good with the bad with your team and if your offensive line's terrible they're still going to blame you you know and, and so when i when i think about you know uh, separating credit and blame i think ultimately it's about a 50 50 thing on average um and, and individual plays obviously like that'll be embedded is sort of into the pff grade we'll continue our conversation with eric eager of pro football focus and dive into how the Bengals tried to get Burrow more protection this offseason. We'll do that next right here on Locked on Bengals. But first, a word from Rock Auto, your one-stop shop for all of your auto parts needs, whether you're looking for something as simple as uh, a cabin air filter, right, where you don't want to pay the dealership to do that because they're going to overcharge for something that you can learn on YouTube in about five minutes. Well, you could go to rockauto.com and save money there, or maybe you are an intense mechanic that can replace fuel pumps and other stuff that, I got to be honest, I'm not handy enough to do rockauto.com is going to save you money. You're going to get the same quality parts you get at the big box store, the dealership for much, much less. They've been in the business for more than two decades. Check them out right now. Rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Eric, looking back at the QB annual, Joe Burrow had the number one clean pocket grade in the NFL in 2021. A big focus for the Bengals this offseason was going out into free agency and addressing the biggest problem that they encountered in their playoff run when Joe Burrow took all those sacks against the Tennessee Titans and they couldn't pass block to save their lives in the second half against the Rams and run a functional offense But the guy in your most stable metric, as far as I recall, is elite in the clean pocket. They added three significant pieces there. How do you look at what the Bengals did this offseason from a team building perspective and evaluate that? I know some of your coworkers have called them like exemplary, a model and uh, something to strive for. What's your opinion? Well, when I when I look at, you know, the the Cincinnati Bengals and how they've they've gone about their business, like 
it's exactly almost, you know, the, I wouldn't say word for word, but it's, it's sort of chapter and verse of like what we would do at PFF, frankly, you know, when we, you know, we, when we look at, you know, coverage versus pass rush, it's like, you know, coverage is a weak link system, whereas pass rush is more of a strong link system. So this team goes out last season and, and gets, you know, uh, six or seven defensive backs who had a thousand snaps, right. With, with, uh, other teams uh, in the past, and they said, "Look, we're going to let the best five guys win." They go get Trey Hendrickson. They spend money on him. This offseason, they go and they say, "Look, the offensive line is a weak link system. We're not necessarily we don't necessarily have to go out and let's say get you know like a, a Trent Williams or a Teron Armstead, but you can go out and get a Lyle Collins, a player who I think is not necessarily elite, but." is good enough like if he's average and then you know jonah williams is average and and you know karis and guys like that are are average then this will be a immensely better offensive line than it was before and you don't have to break the bank for it right because right now um you know you have the money with with uh you know chase and and higgins and burrow making what they're making uh the secondary being a bunch of modestly paid men other than uh you know jesse bates um, you can go out and literally buy competence at all those different positions. You can't buy eliteness at all those different positions, but I think they understand that. And, and so now going into life, you know, in the third year of Joe Burrow, probably going to extend him next year, uh, it makes a lot of sense to do what they did. So uh, I, I'm really a big fan. Um, I, I, I'm very interested to see how it ends up turning out for them. Eric, they drafted Jackson Carmen in the second round last offseason. Obviously, he had a a bumpy, maybe underwhelming rookie year. They take Cordell Volson in the fourth round. Um, and that's kind of it as far as, you know, left guard is concerned. It's not like they brought back, a you know, a veteran like Quentin Spain or signed another veteran to fill that void. How concerning is that, that they do have this one hole where, yeah, there are guys they've invested draft capital in that could compete for that spot. And there's some other guys I'm leaving out, but there's no clear cut, guy that's going to start at left guard and it, it's going to be a competition. Is is that a big concern, especially when you describe that system where there could still be one weak link on the, the Bengals offensive line? It certainly is a concern. I, I think, you know, ultimately you'll still be fine if you can, if you're basically taking, uh, you know, a, a you're, you're looking for a player there who can sort of play, you know, you're sort of looking for a player who can play out of four or five guys who, you know, you're making a good gamble, right? Like the, the hard part is when you need, let's say last year, let's say they need three guys out of a group of four all to do well. That's a really bad gamble, right? If you need one guy out of three, that's a fairly okay gamble. Uh, And given where they are, as far as draft capital, given where they are, um, you know, uh, as far as cap space, like it's not beyond the wit of man for them to patch it up even more. Uh, let's say if, you know, they end up with, um, you know, let's say they end up with, uh, you know, a, a position where none of those guys work out, they could go ahead and make a trade, um, you know, in the preseason or something like that to get a guy like guards are relatively cheap in the NFL if you don't want to get an elite guy. Um, so I think they're set up in an okay position. Like I said, like, you know, in the secondary last year, they made a gamble and said, look, we're going to throw like eight guys and we're going to need four after Jesse Bates. Um, you know, at offensive line, it was almost like we need three out of three guys to work out for this to make sense 
four out of, you know, three out of four, which is a bad, a bad gamble to need. Um, now, if it's like one out of three, uh, they should be okay. Especially with attrition in the NFL being a significant factor. Now the Bengals and Bengals fans, I would say, feel like they've added pieces to their team that address significant holes and opposing team fans would say, well, they were incredibly lucky last year for, for health. They were lucky in close games. They were lucky on 50 plus yard field goals, which I think Bengals fans would take particular objection to. They really like Evan McPherson in Cincinnati. When you're looking at how they've attacked the offseason and looking around the AFC, it doesn't necessarily look like people are falling over themselves to say, yeah, they're going to come out of the AFC again. They're they're better. They were the Super Bowl team. They're better. What's your overall feel when you look at what they've done? Is there something that could have been enough or, or do you think that there's some – they're the Bengals. They need to prove it in, in national media and in the betting markets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so they're not the favorite. Well, they it depends upon which book you look at, but I don't. they're not the favorite to win the, the division. I think if you say, you know, it, let, let's say there's an alter, uh, alternative universe where, you know, they lose to the Chiefs at home in Week 17 and Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, let's say – you're you're in like a, a win win or die situation in week 18 with Cleveland uh, just to win your own division. Maybe maybe they win that game, maybe they don't. But if that happens, you're a nine and eight team. And I think if, if they were nine and eight and maybe out of the playoffs, let's say, um, what would our expectations be of them? Is maybe a good question to ask because you know. And granted, they 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 beat the Chiefs, and I honestly think that they played the Chiefs like a fiddle in that week 17 game at the end. But there are a number – or Minnesota, let's say Dalvin Cook, that fumble in week one isn't a fumble, and maybe they tie that game or maybe the Minnesota wins. And they're 9-8. and eight, and We all look up. We're talking about how encouraging the season was. And if you say – let's say they're plus 225 or so, plus 215, plus 200 to win the AFC North, and the Gallivers are like, oh, that's pretty fair, right? So that's kind of how I like to look at it is to say, well, if we rerun the season over again – where do they finish? And I think we did get one of the we, – we found out last year that the Bengals are capable of winning the Super Bowl. I don't necessarily know if we found out that they're a Super Bowl favorite because of how many things had to go right for them. Um, you know, if they have to go to Buffalo instead of Kansas City in the AFC title game, how does it, how does it, you know, how does it shake out there? If Kansas City scores one touchdown in the second half of the AFC title game after a half in which they gained all but one yard available to them, what does this look like? If they lose the AFC title game, what's our expectation of them this year? Uh, it, it, all those things, you know, in, in tow, like I think there, there's a really good chance that this team has improved and, it doesn't get better from them from an outcome standpoint. And, and that, and I, and that I think is okay. I think, you know, I was on Ken Drew's show. Like I, I, I sort of said, look, Bengals fans, like this is going to be a good decade. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that 2022 is going to be better than 2021. And, and I think that the, you know, we've seen this a lot of times in the NFL where, you know, a team has an unexpected pop-up year expectations are maybe too high and then things don't quite go as well and they blow things up. I'd hate for the Bengals to let's say go, let's say go 11 and six and lose in the first round of the playoffs. Do we, is that a recipe to look at Zach Taylor differently this year? I don't think so. Um, but I do understand why expectations are so high. No doubt about it. And Eric, I want to ask you about Dax Hill and what the Bengals did in the draft. Plus we need to talk about the rest of the AFC because it's, uh, 
It's a murderer's row. It's going to be quite, quite tough for the Bengals to repeat. But first, I got to tell everyone about the number one protein bar on the planet, Built Bar. And right now, they just released Brownie Batter Puffs, which if you haven't had a protein-infused marshmallow, protein-infused marshmallow, they're the best things ever. And especially if they taste like brownie batter. Who doesn't like brownies? Who doesn't like brownie batter? Well, Built Bar has come out with an elite, elite uh, way to get your protein daily, whether you want just a, a healthy snack midday or you want to get a protein punch post-workout. They have 17 grams of protein, 140 calories. So check those out. Check out all of their flavors at built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order, whether it's the brownie batter puffs, all the other puffs, or just a standard built bar. Check them out right now. Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Eric, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the draft for a second. The Bengals picking much, much later than we're accustomed to. I know on draft night, I was waiting around at Paul Brown Stadium uh, for the announcement, which is not something we're used to here in Cincinnati. And they end up with Dax Hill. Uh, what, what did you think about that selection and how he fits? And, and do you think it was a, a good value? Because I think a lot of people viewed it that way, but I'm curious your, about your thoughts. Yeah, I think he was, he's kind of the new you know thing that the NFL is is looking for in a safety is like, you know, you have you know, Tyron Matthew, for example, in Kansas City now, at, you know, previously in Philadelphia, now in uh, you know New Orleans, a guy that can play in the slot but can also play deep. Um, you, because you have so many systems now where you know you want your defensive line, you want to be able to play six men in the box. Um, and, and if that's going to happen, you need a safety who can play the run, you know, fit the run like a nickel cornerback, but also have the shiftiness to s- cover slot players. Um, and then also be able to play deep when when things you know uh, arise there. Um, there's there's the uncertainty about Jesse Bates and whether or not he's going to be able to um, you know whether he, they're, they're going to be able to come to an agreement with him. And, and that you know should obviously uh, you know cloud a, a lot of sort of what we're working with there. Um, so that that's kind of where I'm I'm at is like I think it's just a nice buffer against some uncertainty in that secondary. Uh, you look at the corners, Awuzie, Apple, you know, Flowers, um, you know, guys like that. Um, you know, there's there's uncertainty there, but like you you throw numbers at the situation. Um, at safety, you have Von Bell and Jesse Bates, but you needed a third guy there, uh, I think, to to really curb against you know because when, when teams have success, you know, we saw it in Kansas City, we we've, we've seen it in a lot of other places. Like the players, you know, Bates got an interception in the Super Bowl. He's probably thinks, you know, and, and probably rightfully so, probably thinks he's a huge part of this thing and wants to be paid accordingly. And, you know, he sees down the road uh, a guy like Joe Burrow getting a lot, a lot of money. Um, and, and that, you know, might, might you know, he might want to leave. He might want to go somewhere where they can pay him more money. 
um, and, and that should be fine. Um, but then that gives you Dax Hill and, and the versatility he provides in a secondary uh, that got a lot better last year. They invest a lot in the secondary in Cincinnati. They did so again in this draft, and that was a big part of their success with Lou Anarumo getting creative, as we saw in the playoffs against the Chiefs and against uh, you know a totally different game plan, for example, against the Titans and coming out with yet something different against the Rams. And that flexibility seems like something that's important to him. But going forward, looking at the AFC, looking at the trends around the NFL, the increasing pendulums uh, swinging back toward more too high shells, more too high safety coverages that some prognosticators seem to think will be a problem for Joe Burrow. And we'll see what happens there. But just the talent infusion in the AFC, where it felt like 95% of the elite players that moved this year went from the NFC mm-hmm. to the AFC. Plus, it, it felt like you know teams like the Ravens and the Jets and the Colts well, not the Colts, but the Ravens and the Jets in the draft had three first-round picks each or, or something like that, it felt like. And the Colts had Matt Ryan, and I think the Colts are going to be a surprising thorn in the side of the AFC. You talked about expectations. The Bengals can do it, but with the schedule they have and the increased obstacles in the AFC, how do you see a pretty brutal conference shaking out this year? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, when you look at... Uh, you know, the AFC South is pretty soft. I, I think that the Colts uh, and the Titans, probably you're going to look at one playoff team there. Um, and it's really going to depend upon how two similar quarterbacks of, of you know, Brian Tannehill and Matt Ryan, um, you know, shake out. When you look uh, at the AFC East, like there's you could squint and, and, and see only one playoff team there in Buffalo. I think Buffalo is probably going to be the one seed just because of how strong they are, but also you know, that, that division, there isn't a peer for them in that division. So then you look at the other two divisions and I think in the AFC West, you have four teams who expect to make the playoffs. Um, You know, the Vegas Raiders are all in, you look at their, their cap situation in 2023. It's not great. Uh, They're going to be over the cap uh, when the year hits, I think. Uh, And they're only going to have like half the roster signed. Um, Kansas city obviously is, is always going to be in the mix, LA and Denver, um, you know, really, really loaded up to try to contend against the Chiefs. And then you look at the AFC North, you know, the Ravens are a team that in 8-9, uh, they lost their last six games, all games that Marlon Humphrey uh, was injured in or or, or wasn't playing. Uh, and all those games were by three points or less, except for the, the game against the Bengals here. Uh, and that one, you know, Josh Johnson was starting for the, for the uh, Ravens. Um, so that, I think they should be strong. They got a lot of draft picks, a lot of draft picks that I think a lot of people like as well. Um, you know, the, the Browns are, you know, that's the bugaboo there. I think from team, you know, player two to 53, that's a really good team. Um, the quarterback position is still going to be a question mark with, as far as suspensions and things like that. Um, head coach is good, uh, in in Stefanski. So that team is going to contend and, you know, you can never forget about the Steelers. There's a good question as to whether or not, um, you know, Mitch Trubisky is an upgrade over Big Ben uh, because, I, you know, I think Big Ben was really holding that team back last year. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. So there's just a lot of contenders there. And I think a team, you know, like the the Bengals, uh, you know, are, are, are you know, equipped. I mean, they, they have the quarterback play. They have the roster depth and, and stability 
um, to compete there, but it's just not going to be easy. And, 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 you know, kudos to the Rams last year, kudos, you know, to the Bengals. Ultimately the, last year was a weak year in the NFL. Right. And, and so the Rams saw it and went all in, uh, they ended up going in and winning it as a four seed against another four seed. I don't think that this year is going to be a weak year in the NFL, specifically in the AFC. Interesting that you can have weak years in a league with so much parody, but the parody is why we get these sorts of swings like we do. My last question for you, Eric, is a quick fun one. I know you went through the schedule recently. The Bengals have five primetime games this year, which is as many as they've had in like the last five years, it feels like. And that, that might actually be the number, but they don't get into the, the spotlight very often. They're there a ton this year. Did any game stand out to you as a particularly attractive game to watch as a football fan? Yeah, I like um, – I'm probably going to go to the, the – the, uh, well, I go to a lot of Bengals games, weirdly, but I, the one I'm really looking forward to is when the Dolphins come here uh, on that Thursday night, I believe. Um, yeah, that's right. Week I, four. I, I'm, you know, that might be a night where Collinsworth gets his number – you know, or they don't retire numbers, but he gets in the, you know, the, the ring of honor. Uh, last year they put a, a few members in there uh, for, for the inaugural group. Uh, so that's one. Obviously, Kansas City coming here is always going to be a great game. I think Burrow, you know, showed himself twice to be up to the task. Um, it's always cool when Cleveland comes here because, you know, everybody's pretty rabid there. Um, they close, you know, with two home games against two great teams, I think, uh, in, in the Bills and the Ravens. So, um, you know, we might have to wait all the way until January to find out what they're really made of in a lot of ways. Um, but but you, if you have – you think about the if you're a Bengals fan and you look at the last six games of the year, four of them at home, uh, you get the aforementioned Browns, Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens all here. That that's a, a pretty fun stretch. And then obviously you go to Tampa Bay um, and go to New England. So you know the two uh, goats of the last like uh, century. Um, it, it's a great schedule. It's going to be a hard schedule. Uh, and they they get a little bit of a break in the middle with the with the uh, NFC South, the Falcons, Saints, and Panthers, three out of four weeks. Um, but it, it's it's going to be a good schedule. Like I said, they could be a better team this year and take a step back. And I think Bengals fans, I'm not trying to like be a hater. I'm just saying like be prepared because this year is going to be a gauntlet. Eric, what do you get your boss? Because no one can really relate to this. What do you get your boss if he gets inducted into the Bengals Ring of Honor? I mean, that's. You better start planning now because I don't know what the hell you would do if that happens. I, I Chris is the nicest guy who like never like wants to take anything. So uh, I would have. Yeah. I mean, and he's got all the money in the world. So like, sure. I don't have any idea what I could get him, but um, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give him twice as much uh, for his uh, Sunday night football packet. So he has to repair half as much. There you go. That's it. You help him with his prep. Well, he is Eric Eager. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Check out the PFF Forecast podcast as well. Eric, man, this was great. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Always great to have Eric Eager on the show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll see you next time. Hootay and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 